Hi everyone. Today's episode is for mature audiences. It is an honest portrait of domestic violence and the difficulties associated with Desi culture. Some conversations in this episode are graphic, hard to hear, and may be triggering. Please only listen if you feel equipped to handle. If you or someone you know is experiencing violence, please contact the National Domestic Violence Hotline 1-800-799-7233. This podcast is going to touch upon themes of domestic violence, abuse, and toxic masculinity in Desi culture, more specifically the story of Sania Khan. So Sania Khan was murdered by her ex-husband for getting a divorce. She had been sharing her struggles online about her toxic marriage and how her Desi family had been overall very unsupportive. So this is very prevalent in Desi culture, but it's not talked about. The fact that this tragedy happened in the US itself put us all in shock and disbelief. And we as young women have no other choice but to be supportive of Sanya Khan and her decision. The fact that she was murdered is very disheartening because it just shows how this society treats men who are not held accountable for their actions in domestic violent marriages. And along the same lines, how society treats women who are trying to reach out for help, who are trying to talk about the struggles of being with somebody who's abusive, emotionally abusive, and everything along those lines and what our community has pressured us to believe about speaking up about it. So coming from somebody who was trying to uh, speak up about it, um, Sonia was speaking up on TikTok. She had a lot of people commenting on her posts, asking for help on signaling the red flags that were going on, how to get out of abusive um, marriages and all of those sorts of things. So she was definitely somebody who was making that move toward um, having a more positive impact on our community. That being said, hopefully this is a sign that we need to make a change. Just to emphasize how prevalent domestic violence is in the Desi community, I pulled up a survey that was done um, to speak on that domestic violence and sexual violence. And in this study, it showed that 96.4% of Indian and Pakistani respondents reported having experienced physical violence by a partner. 50% of Indian and Pakistani respondents reported having experienced stalking by a partner, and 64.3% of Indian and Pakistani respondents reported having experienced sexual violence by a partner. And note that this is all by a partner, and that's kind of the theme that we're going to be following for today. Those statistics are pretty scary when you hear them out loud, and I can't help but to think about the women that don't report them. A lot of our South Asian women don't feel comfortable speaking about their experiences revolving a domestic violence and abuse because so many of them don't think that they'll receive the support that they need or either they're living in this country as immigrants without proper documentation so they fear the repercussions from the police or the government. These fears keep them in these situations longer than they need to be in and this only propels into future generations where our women are taught to just blindly and quietly abide by whatever abuse is going on and to stay in the marriage and just to keep the peace for the sake of the family name, for the sake of their virtue, or for the sake of of not being talked about in society. Right, and um, keeping that respect for your family has become such an issue that there's honor killings going on. There's acid attacks going on. And these subjects are so heavy on their own that they tap into a whole new world of what it is to be in a society that prioritizes the respect for your family or what people are going to say about your family over the mental, the emotional and the 
physical health of the women that are being abused. So to kind of get more into this and to have a more personal story, we brought on our friend Sarah, so we're gonna let her introduce herself and a little bit about her story. Hi everyone, so as Eamon mentioned, I am Sarah and I am Egyptian, um, coming from similar backgrounds as Eamon and Pardeep, and just not being able to talk about these certain topics with your friends, your family, um, and just society and all. So kind of what brought us here today was Eamon and I were talking about what ha the tragic story that had happened and I told her, hey, you know, Eamon, I, it's, it's so upsetting and so many women go through this, but a lot of women don't speak about it. And the fact that she spoke about it and we let her down and this is what happened to her really just upsets, upsets me and upsets everyone that this is what happens when women speak up about these certain topics. Um, so I was telling her, you know, if I was with my ex, I wouldn't have really been, I wouldn't have been here today because he eventually wanted to do that. But I tried my best and I forced myself out of the relationship because I knew it was not going to end well. And sadly, that's it did not end well for her and we let her down as a society. So I'm going to talk about my story today. This is something that had happened to me when I was about 19 to 22. I'm currently 27 and happily married. Um, but it led me to being who I am today and trying my best to help other women in this position. So I know talking about being in an abusive relationship in the past, it's something extremely difficult. It's really hard to heal from and to be able to even trust your next partner to that extent. So we have a lot of respect for Sarah and we applaud her for coming onto the podcast. So with that said, Sarah, if you feel comfortable, initially we just wanna know what were the first signs in your relationship that kind of signaled to this being abusive and controlling? So it started off being him not making me feel, feel good about myself. You know, it was like, hey, it started off really being like verbally abusive um, where it was like, you know, it could start off by saying like silly, you know, stuff like, hey, you know, you're ugly. Hey, don't dress this certain way because, you know, I don't want anyone to look at you. And it starts getting into a more like controlling and really, really um, badly um, verbally. So that's how it really started was, was the verbal. Um, and I think once you start letting that verbal disrespect happen to you from your partner, um, it just goes, it just continues to keep going and eventually may turn physical. Um, maybe thinking, you know, someone making you not feel good enough that you're not gonna find someone better. You're not going to be able to open up to other people about it. And like I said, he put me literally in a bubble that I wasn't able to even, I think, sit with myself and actually understand what was happening until I was literally out of it. And this was like a three-year relationship. And also I did mention that I was young, so I didn't know any better. This was my first relationship. I didn't know how, how I was supposed to be getting treated. And it was just not okay. And I didn't know that. So you kind of touched on the fact that you were young and that was why you were kind of naive to what was going on. But can you touch on a little bit more about how the fact that you weren't able to vent about this to other people and you didn't feel comfortable and he didn't make you feel comfortable being able to tell other people how you were feeling or even like communicate with them, how that made those red flags seem like that seem like they weren't red flags. So I just wanted to quickly touch on, I was embarrassed. I like, I don't, I didn't even know who to go talk to. You know, I, I just was embarrassed of what was happening to me. Um, and I remember my sister 
got into the car with us and she was like, she noticed how he was like literally about to put his hands on, on me in front of her. And she was like, hey, I'm not okay hanging out with you guys and I don't see you guys being together. Like you shouldn't be with him. And I shot her, like, I was like, hey, I don't want you to get involved. I don't want anyone to get involved. So I think those red flags is like, hey, I don't, like, first of all, I was like, hey, don't treat me like that in front of people. But that's, it's not okay. You shouldn't be treating me like that. Even Behind if, closed doors. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's when the red flag started. Like, okay, it's like, he's even doing this to me in front of other people and like, thinking it's okay. Right. Like, yeah. Gaslighting me, like, hey, um, I only did that because you did this. And I was like, you that's not that's still not okay that's not validation and i'm i just want to go back to what you said about your sister how did that feel in the moment knowing that your sister was seeing this and she knew something was wrong but you wanted to shut her out i was just like it was it was really bad because i was like it's all in my head like you know people just are just so annoying like i don't want anyone to be involved and just coming from who i am i'm just a private person so i was just like i don't i don't want anyone involved because I just didn't I just didn't know what to do at that moment because I was just like I said it goes back to me being embarrassed um and I think it was like all in my head. He made it seem like it was all in my head. Like oh, I did this. Like I said, he's like, "Oh, I did this because you said this." And I'm like, "Okay, but that still doesn't mean anything." Yeah. And I just wanted to quickly read a quote from a book that I was reading. Mm -hmm. Um and it says, "Don't believe this book is don't believe everything you think." So we cannot change what we are not aware of. And once we are aware, we cannot help but change. Mm -hmm. And I was not aware. I was not aware that I was in this position until, like, like you said, like my sister started to tell me and I was like, hmm, let me give him an excuse today. Today he was not feeling good because he got into a fight with his dad. Today he, he got fired. Today something happened to him with whatever. And I was just making up these excuses and it was all in my head. Like it was, it was literally happening and I was just like making excuses in my head to make it feel yeah. like it was okay. The emotional manipulation that he was using on you came to a point where you started making excuses for his behavior. Mm -hmm. And when other people started noticing it, especially your sister, that's when you put it all into perspective. Like this isn't normal. Mm -hmm. Relationships don't happen this way. And I think that a lot of abusers and controllers use that to their advantage the fact that you are not talking about it to your friends and family they have you in they have you wrapped around their finger that mm -hmm. way where it's like okay she's cut off from any type of support that she can possibly have it's like that's why it's so important to not lose your friends when you get into a relationship mm -hmm. you have to keep those friendships because because they help you understand whether this person that you're with is actually a good person or not Right. Yeah, they see things that you can't see and it's funny that you said that because he literally had me cut off Like he didn't want me to hang out with my sister. Oh my god. Do you guys your believe sister? my own sister like oh biological sister? Hey, I don't want you to hang out with your sister because she dresses a certain way She hangs around certain people. I don't want oh you to be around and I'm like, oh, maybe you know what? Maybe the people she does hang around. Oh wait, like it was just like that bad yeah. and, and he found a way to rationalize yeah, yeah. and i was like oh i don't want to upset him like if he if i upset him he's gonna do this like yeah. let me just let me just stay home today yeah um and mind you yeah yeah i had to cut off with all my friends like all my friends from high school like wow. that i've known literally obviously yeah. before him and it was just like looking back i'm like why was i so stupid yeah. and naive you know i think that there's a term that's used for that it's called grooming mm. it's like when someone 
takes you from a young age and grooms you to be this malleable person that they can control and cut off from other sources and that's what he did with you right you kept explaining how embarrassed you were to even like talk to your friends about it or admit what was going on and i think that's a form of grooming too like he's making you feel like the the person that's doing something wrong like you're embarrassed about all of this yeah and they they were just like sarah like we can't stand you like seeing you with him like Mm -hmm. they didn't want to even like they're just like you need to get out and i'm like guys like it's my relationship please just stay out of it and that's how brainwashed I was like it was it was just not not okay so I have a follow-up question for that so for those people listening who are the friends of somebody who is an abusive relationship now coming from that what advice would you give them to help you I think be there for the person but come from a, a space of understanding that this person may not be able to open up about certain things because they just don't know how to open up about it um and I think just being there for them, like, um, and showing them, like, hey, these are signs. These are this is how you should be treated, mm-hmm. and this is not okay. Um, and I think I, like I said, I didn't have anyone there because he pushed everyone away. But coming from a space where people have their friends around, just just be there for that person because even if they don't want to open up about it, they'll eventually open up, even if it's like little bits and pieces of the story every now and then you'll eventually get the full story and you could help them get away from it but it is it is very hard people are just like just get out of it no it's not that easy it's it's a cycle it's a cycle and i read somewhere that this cycle is actually chemical your brain gets addicted to the ups and the downs so you're chemically linked to this behavior so even if you it's like being on a drug like this toxic relationship is your drug because when it's good it's really good Mm -hmm. and you're happy but when it's bad you know you feel the lows and then you want to feel the highs again so you're constantly in this cycle that's why they call it like a cycle of abuse and the first time that I personally learned about this was when I went to the police station once and they had like these pamphlets up at the precinct and I was just going through them and then one of them was like escape the cycle of abuse and I was like what is this like how do people even get stuck in this and like shouldn't they just get out if they're in an abusive relationship but it's not that easy and it's a cycle because I don't know if you guys remember this but they read we had to read this poem in high school once and it was like he got me flowers Mm mm-hmm Oh my god, that poem gives me chills. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of like give context because Sarah said she doesn't? Yeah, I was like. <laughs> so this poem, he got me flowers. Mm-hmm. It's like this girl, she gets into a new relationship with a guy, and they get into an argument. No, so everything is happy go lucky, whatever for a few mm-hmm. months, and then they get into an argument, and then to make up for it, he gets her flowers, and things are back to normal. A few months later, something else happens. Um, he pushes her and then to make up for it he gets her flowers Mm -hmm. and as the relationship progresses his abuse gets worse he one time hits her Mm -hmm. and then he gets her flowers he punches her she has bruises on her body he gets her flowers and then eventually at the end she's gotten to a point where she actually physically can't take it anymore she's like covered in bruises everything and he's still trying to make up for it by giving her flowers and it's such a metaphorical way to explain how it feels to be in that situation because you want to continue to give to keep giving this person a chance 
to treat you better out of the goodness of your heart but then they keep on taking advantage of it and hurting you and you just don't know how to get out of it yeah and the fact that you said you think it's going you think it's gonna get better no it gets it gets worse it starts with a slap and then it turns into a kick it turns into a bruise it turns into and it just it's just a cycle that keeps going so how did you how did you eventually get out like that's the scary part so i'm gonna give you guys a little background so he just kept like i was like hey like we're done like stop stop trying like he would like follow me stalk me like stand in front of, outside my house um he just wouldn't leave me and it was just like like it was just weird like like i'm done with you like leave me like we're done like we're broken up like bye so you had gotten to the point of saying yeah like i'm done up. like i'm just uh, just go on with your life i think you really like i was like hey i think you really need help like you have so much trauma and i don't really want to go into his personal life but he grew up in an abusive household so i think he was just like oblivious to what he was doing he was like he thought it was okay like he didn't he was like what are you talking about what am i doing to you and i'm like you do not see like the bruises you do not you do do not remember you just kicked me on the like floor and just yeah. and that was just like he i think it was like natural to him that was something that i wanted to ask you about before was there something that was justifying his actions because sometimes and most of the time um they give you a sob story for like what their background is so is there something that like that was what was justifying his actions but more than that was his family justifying it like was was there times that his family knew about it and they were saying oh it's because this happened when he was younger no so they weren't really in the picture um like i said my family were against him so they were just like you want to stay with this guy we're just not I mean, we don't want to see him oh, we don't wow. want it so it was kind of the same thing like i wasn't really close to his family so it was like literally physically we i was in a bubble okay like i didn't have anyone i didn't have a like i didn't have a reason to why he was doing it and like i said he would make excuses like all the time it was like oh oh because i got into a fight with my dad oh because you said this oh i was just having a bad day excuses yeah um, no excuse is valid for domestic violence. Nothing. Yeah. And I know I kind of got into this a little bit, but when you guys said, who do you, who do you, what advice do you have? Like, who do you go to for help? I want to tell you guys, I went to, so when I was trying, so back to when I was trying to leave him and he just wouldn't leave me. He was like stalking me, following me and just like, I don't know. He was just, and literally up until I was like engaged to my current husband, he was like calling me on no caller ID. And it I was just like, that. yeah. And I was like, I'm literally engaged to be married. So just leave, you know, go on with your life. And I was like, hey, one advice to give you, I think you're, you have some trauma that you need to like, obviously, you know, get that situated and go to therapy and be better. But I went to, to get help for myself because I didn't know who to open up to at that point because I was trying to get out of him and I was like, okay, you know, the law is the only thing that's going to help me at this point. So let me go to the police. I was like, hey, okay, I go in there and I'm like, mind you, this took so many times of me thinking of who to go to for help. So I was like, all right, let me go to the police station and just like ask them because this guy's following me. Like, this is not okay. Um, and that's a huge step in itself. Yeah. Like actually making yourself physically mm -hmm. go to the police yeah. station and do that. And I'm telling you, it took so much out of me to even mm -hmm. do that. So I go there and I'm just like, no, I need this to end. Like I need to, I want to move on with my life. I just want to be happy. Mm -hmm. So I go and I'm like, hey, 
these two like young officers um, as hey like I wanted to talk to you guys about something that's been happening like my ex has been following me around and I'm like I don't know what to do and I'm like you know I'm, I'm scared of my like my life I don't know what he's capable of doing because it, it was you know it wasn't a healthy relationship it was very toxic and he used to abuse me and etc and you guys like if you guys hear what they said to me it's scary yeah so they said we all have crazy exes and I was like, they completely dismissed it. I was like, okay. They're like, well, if you want to file a restraining order, you could go to like um, this other town and like check the website and do this and that. And I was like, but I need help now. Mm-hmm. I'm like yeah. scared for your life. Yeah. They're like, oh, it might take months or a couple months to get a restraining order. Like you, you can't do anything right now. And I was like, but it's happening right to me right now. You guys are saying I have to file paperwork and wait for a case and all this stuff. Yeah. And that's why I said it's such a huge step. For, so for anybody listening, like if you're capable of making that step, please do it. But it's, it's if you get dismissed like Sarah did in this situation, like I'm hoping you don't give up at that point because it, it was a huge step. It takes so much to actually get the courage to go there, but seek additional help because yeah. sometimes, sometimes they let us down. Yeah. Um, and if they let you down, find another way. So, yeah. And I, I just didn't know at that point. I can't, honestly, speaking of this, and this is taking so much of me. I just wanted to let you guys know that. And I literally had to sit here and just be like, I blocked all this stuff out of mm-hmm. my mind. Yeah. So to me, to me, for me to go back and be like, okay, wait, what happened? Like I literally, I, I'm telling you guys, I don't even remember that you just wow. ni- 19 to 22. I have no idea what happened to me. Wow. I blocked, I blocked it because I was like, but bits and pieces, I I would remember it because I'm like, oh, I'll drive by the place where he kicked me on the floor and uh, I'll work. And that's trauma. Yeah. It's very triggering. But then I'm just like, I moved on with my life, obviously, eventually. But when you're in that position and you get out of it, you just don't even want to remember it. Right. Mm -hmm. Because you're like wow, that was the worst time of my life. Right. And, and I let that happen to And me. you let that happen to you. You let yourself down. And mm-hmm. that's really, I'm just like, why the heck did I let a guy do that to me? I read this quote and I thought of you. And it's, um, I went to war with myself for you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just so strong because it's not just war with yourself because you're letting somebody physically abuse you. The mental strain mm-hmm. that that takes on you and that, yeah. and like you're saying, you forgot those times because you're like, I'm blocking it out. Like the trauma that that gives you, the it's it's lifelong unless, unless you know, like you find a way to cope with it, so. Yeah, and it's my story. Like it, mm-hmm. I, I'm so open to talk about it. Not not so open, I'm yeah. not gonna say that, but mm-hmm. I, I can talk about it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when you, when I was in that position, no like I couldn't even like just understand what was happening to me and yeah you're just so into like I said you're so into your bubble and not knowing who to seek to for help seek out to for help and once I did it was just I just had to keep telling myself like this is not okay like I have to keep pushing this person away even though he might come back and give me flowers he might come back and be like hey I'm sorry I had a bad day and Mm -hmm. this this, that no it is not okay because I'm telling you guys, once you let one or two things slide, it just gets worse. Mm-hmm. It literally just keeps going. And especially when you, it's the two of you behind closed doors. I And this right. is something that I obviously blocked out of my memory. But thinking of this topic today, he took me to like behind a complex and we were in his car. He took my phone away and started banging on his car. I was like, I'm going to... 
I'm gonna fucking kill you today. And I got out the car and I just started running. And I just, wow. Yeah. And it, it sounds like a movie. Right. Like, like it's like, I'm but so like sorry. thinking of it now, I'm like, yeah. And that then, happened to me, you know? It's not. And for me, what I'm thinking is, wow, that's so close to home. Like, I, I can't even imagine that happened to my friend, but that happened to you. Yeah. Like, so I can't even imagine, like, at that point, what were you thinking? What were you feeling? Like, now you've gotten to a point where, where you, you're right. He, he can kill you, and you yeah. could have ended up dead. So I, I wanted to touch upon this important thing that you said, where you said that you let it happen to you, and you weren't sure how to talk about it to your friends or family and I think that's really important because that feeling of letting someone treat you like that is what keeps you from talking about it in in the first place you have this guilt and shame that you put yourself second essentially you are the victim here it's not like you chose or you were telling him to treat you this way you put yourself in a relationship with this person and he decided to take advantage of everything that you were and made you a victim of domestic violence so these things yes they happened to you but you didn't let them the fact that you were stuck in this cycle is why you couldn't talk about it to anyone so of course any girls that are experiencing this right now or listening to it you're not in the situation because of your own actions you can still get out and you can still talk to your loved ones and people that you trust but don't let your own inner guilt and embarrassment hold you back so what advice can you give someone who is experiencing the same thing so as part said you just need to take control of your life and it's it's easier said than done but I understand it's difficult I was once there and I just had to get up one day and just be like this is not okay I should not be getting treated like this um, I should not be losing my friends and family over this guy I deserve way better in life and no matter what he does he brings you flowers he brings you whatever he does what apologies excuses gaslighting he does to you don't fall for that because trust me it gets worse and there's light at the end of the tunnel so please 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 if you are listening and this is happening to you please get out because i did and you can and you're you deserve way better in life than to let someone treat you that way you should be happy that's beautiful and i first of all we want to thank you so much for sharing your story because You know, it, it, you might feel like you're only sharing it for us. You're helping so many people. And even if this helps one person, one person decide that this is this is my next step to not let this happen anymore, you've changed a world, a world. And I also wanted to leave off on saying, just because you talk so much about being embarrassed about talking about it, um, you guys have our Instagram. You have our, you have you're, you have access to message us. If you're embarrassed to talk about it to somebody you know, to your family, to your friends, because of what people might think. I personally have had re- girls reach out to me about difficult things that they couldn't talk about to their friends or their family. So I want you to know that that message would never go unread and would never go unseen. So please reach out to us. You have support. I know that it's really hard to talk about these things amongst our family our close friends cousins elders you know it's not really a lot of behavior from desi men or honestly any all men a lot of it goes unexcused 
whatever goes on behind closed doors it's not really talked about because women don't feel comfortable they don't feel supported it's also why so much of rape also doesn't get reported and you don't hear about these cases because women feel shame they feel the guilt they know that society will always shun them they'll choose the guy side especially in south asian desi culture mm -hmm. it's like a south asian man can do no wrong and like you said, that shame, guilt, like Sarah said, that embarrassment, that's killing our women. So if that's what you're feeling, feel that way, reach out to someone, do something about it because that is that does not have more value over your life. Your life is more important than the current relationship that you're in. You were not put on this earth to experience a life that is depriving you of happiness. And trust me, like Sarah said, there is light at the end of the tunnel. And also like Eamon said, reach out to her, reach out to us or anyone for that matter that you can talk to. We know how hard it is to talk to our family. There is support and there are people who are willing to listen. But we love you, Sarah. We love you guys. So thank you, Eamon. And thank you, Pardeep, for having me on here today and just to be able to share my story. I wanted to just end on this quote that resonated with me and I hope it resonates with you all. At any given moment, you have the power to say, this is not how the story is going to 